Welcome to the Real Truth Matters podcast. I'm Dan Harder, your host. The RTM podcast is all about showing you how to live in biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect. And now, here's Real Truth Matters founder and director, Michael Durham. Welcome to podcast number 49 and season two, episode 16. We're on the subject of faith, and we're trying to understand faith well enough to have some kind of working definition. And thus far, we've looked at the four ingredients of faith. The first is the knowledge of the truth claim, and then a mental agreement with that truth claim, leading to a commitment to the truth claim, and finally, a settled focus on the truth claim as the object of faith. Next, we saw that faith is a God-given reality about something or a situation. It's the ability to see what God intends and thus His will about a given matter. And in our last episode, we examined the source of faith, which is the Word of God. Faith is a transaction of God where He implants His Word into the Spirit. And faith is engendered. It's created. As it is written, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I would like to begin this episode with a question. What are you believing God for today that unless God comes through for you, you will fail? Now, the reason for the question I hope will become apparent. So often when I ask that question, I get puzzled looks. And I think the reason is because the paradigm or the usual way most of us think about faith. In fact, you may have said to that question, well, I'm not sure what you mean. But yes, I am believing God today. I trust Him every day. But what does that mean, I'm trusting Him every day? What are you trusting Him for? What are you trusting God for today? Well, the answers I normally hear are, I'm trusting Him to get me through the day, or I'm trusting Him to keep me safe. Another is, I'm trusting Him to bless me. All of those answers are so vague and generalized that we don't know if God really does what we believe Him for. And then we come down to the most common answer. I'm believing God for my salvation. Translated, that means I'm trusting God that when I die, I'm going to heaven and not hell. That answer proves that we've defined faith for the most part as a salvation requirement and nothing else. So if I ask you, are you trusting God today, you automatically think you're trusting Him because you are a believer, meaning you are a Christian. We even use the noun form of the word to describe ourselves as Christians. We call ourselves believers. I am a believer. So for the most part, the word believe is defined as a noun. But I didn't ask you if you were a believer, which is a noun. I asked you specifically, what are you believing? A verb. What are you believing God for other than your salvation? We have difficulty with the question for this reason. We see faith as something we exercise at conversion. And because we're still trusting God to get us home to heaven when we die, we conclude we're living by faith. But of course, the problem with that is we spend the majority of our time never believing God for much of anything else, which renders the word faith a noun rather than a verb. 
We really don't understand faith, how it works, what its purpose is, and as a result, our faith barely rises above the level of the atheist. S. Richard Robinson was a leading atheist during the latter part of the 20th century. He published a book called An Atheist's Values, in which he said in that book, quote, Christian faith is not merely believing that there is a God. It's believing that there is a God, no matter what the evidence may be. He said Christians thought faith was, quote, to make yourself believe that there is a God without regard to the evidence, end of quote. The infamous theologian Archie Bunker, a character in a 1970s TV show called All in the Family, defined faith this way, quote, faith is what you wouldn't believe for all the world if it wasn't in the Bible, end of quote. Many think faith is believing in things that common sense tells you not to. Too many think faith is metaphysical or something magical that's nebulous and unclear. But you know you need it. You know you can't please God without it, and you need it to be a Christian. But to truly explain it and its operations, well, we are, for the most part, at a loss. For most in the church, faith is wanting to believe something that we don't believe. In other words, we think we have faith because we want to believe God for something that we don't yet trust Him for. It's this yearning for faith that we must take for faith. For example, when praying for a lost friend or family member, do you believe God will save them? And for most, the honest answer is, we believe God can save them, but we don't believe God will save them. That's what I mean when I say we wrongly think faith is wanting to believe God for something that we are not really trusting Him for. And as we've already stated, faith is active. It is an ability. Faith is the ability to see reality as God sees it. Faith is a vision of the world that only God sees. God's Word comes to you, and you understand God's will concerning a matter. It's the illumination of both mind and heart to see and understand what God has said. You can't have this kind of faith and live life in your normal and usual way. When faith is the means by which you live, physical senses become secondary. When the Apostle Paul said, we do not walk by sight but by faith, he didn't mean for us to close our eyes and pretend to be blind. He did not want you to discount anything your senses perceive. No, he simply wanted you to know that the senses must always be ruled by faith, even used by faith. We must never forget that reality is comprised of both the visible and the invisible, the physical and the spiritual. It's the spiritual that gives meaning and purpose to the physical. Well, let's proceed and finish our examination of Hebrews 11, the next great principle that the author of Hebrews 11 wants you and me to see is that faith results in action. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 4 and 5 state, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. 
For before he was taken, he had this testimony, that he pleased God. Abel didn't just have faith that God existed. No, his faith mobilized him to act. It motivated him to offer a reasonable and acceptable sacrifice to God. Now, no doubt, Cain also believed God existed, but his faith was not of the spiritual kind we have been discussing. It wasn't a biblical faith, and therefore Cain did not have the same desire and outcome that Abel had. Because of the nature of real faith, faith leads to action. You could say that faith bears fruit in the deep-seated core values of your life. Faith is manifested in what you're deeply convicted about so that what is believed is very real, and therefore it's life-shaping. It expresses itself in the way you act and behave. Again, the writer of the Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 7 through 8, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness which is according to faith. By faith. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. These men acted for one reason. They believed what God had said, and what God said created the faith that moved them to do as they did. Therefore, faith is seeing what is real and acting accordingly. It's acting upon what God says about something. This finally leads us to some kind of a working definition of faith. Here it is. Faith is acting like something is real because it's real to you. Faith is acting like something is real because it's real to you. You see, faith sees so powerfully what God has revealed that it becomes the reality of one's life. That's why I say it's real to you. It may not be real to others, just as the impending doom on Noah's generation was not real to the multitudes that drowned in the deluge. When the skies darkened and the thunder sounded, lightning streaked the atmosphere and rain pelted the dry earth, well, perhaps then the souls that perished began to believe, but then it was too late. The door to the ark had been shut and sealed by God. I'm sure that those nearest Noah's ark ran and beat upon the door because they now believed. Those who had mocked the preacher and shipwright now begged him to open the door. There were no taunts or jeers or ridicule. No, no, only wails, screams, and pleadings to let them in. But to no avail. The day of grace had passed. Why did they suddenly change their minds? and believe because they could see reality. Their reality had changed. Prior to the rain and rising waters, they could not see what Noah saw by faith. Their reality included no stormy forecast. Whatever your reality is, friend, you will live it out. That's a principle of life. It can't be otherwise. You conform to your perception of reality. It's the only way you 
can live. You can't live according to some fantasy unless you've lost grip on reality. That's why those living in an alternative reality, one that is the product of their broken minds, cannot be allowed to live free in society. They're not safe to themselves or others. They must be institutionalized because they live out what is real to them, just, just, just the same way you and I do. The only difference is the perception of what is real. They see a reality no less real to them, but unfortunately it isn't genuine. A man stands on railroad tracks believing he is Superman and that he can stop a moving locomotive. That is his reality, and he lives it out, and thus he perishes. He was living according to his reality, or in other words, he was living by faith. Whatever is real to you, you will live accordingly. It is by our faith, which is taking action based upon what God has shown us, that we bring into physical and present reality what we had hoped for. For example, when you walk into a dark room, is it the faith in your mind that makes the light come on? Or is it the faith in your feet and your hands that move you to the light switch and turn it on? You don't believe by powers of mental telepathy that you can command lights to turn on, but you do believe that if you walk across the room and flip the switch, a light will appear. Again, we wrongly think faith is something in the mind, and the moment God sees it in our brains, well, then he releases his power and grants our prayer. Faith doesn't work that way, my friend. No, faith is your action based upon what you see to be true. This is where God's Word plays the central and leading role. The Word of God determines our reality. God's faithfulness and integrity shapes or fuels our confidence in Him. Therefore, whatever God has said, we believe it becomes as much a part of our reality as what we can see, hear, and touch. So, it makes sense when we go back to Hebrews 11.1 and hear the author give this working definition of how faith functions. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is that substance or essence of something that you're confident will happen because God has, by His Word, put that reality in your heart. It is the evidence of things not seen for the same reason. God speaks the proof into your heart. He allows you to see what is true and real about a particular matter, whether it be a text of Scripture or some event in your life. By faith, we possess something in our hearts before we possess it in our hands. And the result is, well, you act accordingly. You act as if you already have it in your hands. Faith is acting like something is real because it's real to you. And when you see something to be real, you will act. Well, before I leave you today, I want to discuss three concerns I have about what's being taught about faith that's different from what I've been sharing with you these last few weeks. The first concern is that faith is not fantasy. There are different perspectives of reality, but there's only one accurate view, and that's God's perspective. 
We need this view of reality, and that's what faith does. It provides God's view of reality when we need to see it. There's a fantastical view out there that says that the view of reality is what you make reality to be. Reality is whatever you want it to be. In Christian circles, this existential view of reality is propagated by the so-called faith teachers. They try to get us to believe things into existence. Some have called it the power of positive thinking. The power of positive thinking says, what your mind can conceive, you can achieve. If you just believe strong enough, hard enough, and long enough, well, it will happen. I told you about a woman suffering from a disease who told me she wasn't going to confess that she was sick, but instead claimed that she was well. Yet eventually, she had to all but quit her job because of her illness. She's in constant pain. This type of teaching is not a view of faith or reality. It's nothing more than wishing. If you wish for something intensely and in the right way, well, these teachers say it will happen. But my friend, that's a fantasy world. That's not reality, although many Christians are living with that view of reality today. A fantasy view of reality cannot make something that does not exist come into existence. You cannot, by faith, make something appear unless God has spoken. Only God can create. If you need healing from a terminal disease, faith will not bring soundness to your body. No. Reality or truth says you're not going to improve without some kind of intervention, some kind of treatment. Faith cannot change reality, no matter how much you desire to live and get well. Only God can change it. Only God has the ability to reverse the tides of the ocean, the course of a star, or the advancement of incurable cancer. Faith does not make things happen. God does. And it's in response to faith that he works. But that faith is born by his word only. Listen, by his word only. You cannot believe God for something he has not said. And yet this fantastical idea has a firm root in much of the church world. We're told faith is the power to call things that do not exist to come into existence. You don't have that ability, friend. And that's an incorrect view of reality. The second concern that I have is that the opposite problem occurs in many sound and biblical churches. The concern is that we are walking by sight. And to walk by sight is to also walk in non-reality. Let me explain. To walk by faith means you must often resist what the senses are telling your brain reality is. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Why does Paul make that statement? Well, he does so because if you walk by what you see, which means walking by only the physical senses, then you only have half of reality. You cannot see the invisible spiritual reality that makes up the other half of reality. Therefore, if you walk and think according to the visible, physical component of reality, what you think is real isn't. You'll not be walking in reality. You don't have all the facts about what is real in your life because you are ignoring the spiritual component of existence. 
Faith lets you see the promises of God, although afar off, and you can embrace them and know in spite of what you see. Circumstances are not all there is to reality. Too many Christians are deducing God's will solely upon empirical data, what they see and hear, taste, smell, and touch. They're living in contradiction to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, and many other similar verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Well, the third and final concern I have with many who claim to be people of faith is that they're missing the necessary essence of Christ. There is no faith in Christ without the essence of Christ in you. Now, that's what the Bible says. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can't really be a Christian, no matter what you profess. Unless the essence of Jesus Christ lives within you. Faith is not saying, I believe in Jesus. Oh, friend, please dismiss that from your theology. It'll damn your soul if you believe that. Faith is not saying, I believe in God. Faith is actually experiencing God in your heart so that you can say, Oh, I do believe in Jesus, not because I believe the Bible simply as an intellectual book of facts and information, but because I've experienced the God of the Bible in my soul. And so today, faith is not something to enlarge your bank account or keep your body well. It's God's gift to you and me to view life the way God views it, and thereby walk in harmony with His will and plan for our lives. Faith contains the very essence of what it trusts God for. Therefore, to have saving faith is literally to have the reality of Jesus Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, you receive more than the guarantee that your name was written down in a book in heaven. You receive the very essence of eternal life here and now. Therefore, faith is nothing more than experiencing eternal life now in your heart. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And we have implanted within us the very essence of Christ. Do you have the essence, the nature of the Lord Jesus, living, ruling, motivating, influencing you, residing in you? If not, then you need to humble yourself and tell God that you've been too proud to ask Him, even for the faith to trust Him. Ask Him to give you ears to hear His faith-producing Word so that Christ is implanted in your life. A man that had been attending our church for a few short years came to my office one day, literally broken with tears and sobbing. I shared Christ again as he told me he didn't think he was a Christian. And I asked him how it was that he could hear me week after week after week and not have understood before now that he was lost and not really a Christian. His answer confirmed what I'm trying to communicate to you. He said, I must admit your sermons are over my head. I just don't understand a word you say. I get in the car after the service. I go home with my wife and she'll say, Oh, darling, what a wonderful sermon that was. But I 
I didn't feel a thing. That's exactly what he said to me. And why? Why does an intelligent man listen week after week to explanations of what true Christianity is and he can't understand a word? Why? When his wife can hear the same word and leave as she often did in tears, weeping in delight and joy over her Savior, and the answer is, he had no reality of Christ in him, which means he had no faith, which means he had no ears to hear the faith-producing word from God. Oh, my dear friend. Would you go to him right now, go to him who's able to give you ears to hear, and beg him for the hearing? His word will produce faith in your heart, and not only faith, but the very essence and experience of Christ. Not only is that true for the unbeliever, it's true for the Christian. You cannot believe God for something unless that reality has been deposited either in your heart or in your hand. And in most cases, in fact, in all cases, when it deals with faith, it's first deposited into your heart before you possess it in your hand. That's what Hebrews 11.1 1 is saying. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What are you willing to do to live by this kind of faith, the faith that sees reality as God sees it and acts like it's real? Well, before we leave today, I want to tell you that we're making available my book, The Fight of Faith, How a Christian Can Experience Assurance of Salvation. And if you'd like a copy, you can get it for a reduced price while we're discussing faith on the podcast. You can secure your copy for just $9.99, and we also offer an ebook format for $7.99. And all you need to do is go to the Real Truth Matters website. That's www.realtruthmatters.com, realtruthmatters.com, and just follow the link to the book. And while you're at the website, take advantage of the wealth of resources that are there for free download. Please join us again next week as we continue to examine biblical faith. On behalf of all of us here at Real Truth Matters Ministries, thank you for tuning in, and may the Lord richly bless you with His love in a real and tangible way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Truth Matters podcast. I hope you can see that Christianity is profoundly experiential, but always based on the objective truth of Scripture. If you have questions or comments, please send them to our email address, web at realtruthmatters.com. That's web at realtruthmatters.com. Real Truth Matters podcast, dedicated to biblical spirituality, demonstrating where the Bible and real life intersect.